Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree. You are tuned into episode 16 of Hashtag You Good Man. I think I need to add like a, a, a tagline, like a men's wellness podcast created by a man for men, but women can listen to. How that sound? That's nah, that's whack. All right, cool. Well, I guess we can work on that. But no, I appreciate you all for joining me. This not going to be a super long episode because the content is, is quite low for this week. But, you know, I took last week off just on the strength of I was I was engaged in writing a a very detailed and emotional article about, you know, black boy rage. And for those of you who do not know what black boy rage is, it's just the idea that depression and anxiety manifests itself differently and black and brown boys compared to their white counterparts. And so the way that happens is through anger and rage. Me, I'm somebody who for a long time I had issues in, in coping with my anger. I was coping in maladaptive ways that saw me get kicked out of college, that saw me go to jail, all because I didn't know how to, to deal with my my emotions in a healthy way. But over time, I, I learned different strategies and, and learning how to cope, listen, I still get angry, I still get mad, I still get frustrated, but I'm in a place now where I, I recognize how I can best handle those emotions. And you'll hear me talk about it a little later. Sometimes it's just a matter of me sitting in that emotion, just sitting in that anger and letting it subside because it does subside. You know, a friend of mine, she 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 said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like, yo, give yourself 24 hours. Because, again, it's something I deal with on the on a daily basis. She was like, yo, give yourself 24 hours. And if you still want to, you know, express that emotion, send that text, send that tweet, send that IG post, then you go ahead. But just don't don't do it based out of emotion. So. So, yeah, so I um, I wrote an article on Black Boy Rage and it came off the heels of of triple X tentacion's uh unfortunate demise where he was murdered last Monday in the in the Florida area. And for some reason his death resonated with me uh because, you know, listen, I'm somebody who again deals with that that anger and that rage. And I have since I was his age. He was twenty years old. And I just recognize the influence that he has on on Generation Z. Even though some of my, you know, some of my peers may not agree with his his level of impact, but I see it every day when I'm interacting with my clients, when I'm looking on social media, I'm seeing people cry and and them they're shedding tears because of this young man's death because they re- his music really really resonated. I had no idea who he was uh, until my son, uh, who's 18, he was like, "Yo, Phil, well, he calls me Jermaine. Yo, Jermaine, you should listen to Triple X." Uh, he's depressed and he raps about depression. That's like a running joke he and I have where, you know, because I'm open and honest with my with my children about my my depression and anxiety so they can have a name to put to it so they can understand uh, the symptoms of it uh, in the event that they experience. You know, my, my daughter is more prone to to experience some, some psychological issues because she's biologically my child. You know, my son, he may experience just things as being a black man that impact his his uh mental emotional spiritual and physical wellness and so he's like yo you should listen to him I'm like nah what am i gonna listen to him for because i had triple x lumped in with the the six nines and the little yachties and the little pistol starters and all of those and so i refused to listen to him and, and, and besides like listen i talk about mental health all day whether it's me being a therapist me going around and speaking about mental health 
sometimes I just don't want to hear it. I just want to put on some trap music and pretend I'm a drug dealer for like, you know what I mean, for like 75 minutes, even though that's related to mental health as well, you know, honestly. But, you know, after his death, I was sitting in a coffee shop with a friend of mine and I was sitting writing a book, an e-book that may or may not come out, but I just wasn't invested in it. And, you know, in talking to her, she was like, yo, you know, you just, sometimes you just got to scrap it. You know, I, I was so focused on, on putting out this this ebook. It's like, yo, I just got to get something out there, which as you, if you're a content creator and you and you desire to be in the public eye. Yeah, you got to get content out. But you want to get content out that you believe in, that that you're that inspires you first and foremost. And I just wasn't inspired by the ebook. And, and the ebook was just simply me talking about the different areas of wellness, you know, which Quantify is. But I felt like I was writing more of a mission statement and, and what have you, even though I was giving strategies uh, to so for one to to cope and and improve those areas, I still wasn't as invested because I had this idea about a book that I want to do that I'm really passionate about, and I've been avoiding it now for the last ten months since my computer I didn't save it on my computer. You know when I the first chapter or two that I wrote, so I've just been perseverating on writing that, and so when it came across that he had died, it was just like, okay, yeah. Let me let me listen to it. And so I went and listened to a song and I was like, whoa, whoa, he, he's talking about suicidal ideations. I believe the first song I listened to was sad. Um, and then I got into the, the Jocelyn Flores is where which is a song about his friend who com- who committed suicide. I believe she was like 16 in his hotel room and he found the body and just how traumatic that was. And so when I'm sitting there listening to him at 20 years of age, I'm sitting here listening to somebody who's who's much more advanced uh, and in tune with his his emotions and his mental at that state than I was. Like I get lauded for being this this mental health expert and, you know, speaking out about it. Listen, man, when I was 20 years old, I was at Bloomsburg University getting kicked out because of my anger. I was experiencing this this depression and this anxiety uh, and it was going untreated. And I didn't even have the name of depression and anxiety even put to it. And so here I am sitting listening to this young man talk about I'm I'm depressed. I'm anxious. um, I want to put 10 shots in my brain because of the post-traumatic stress that I'm feeling. It's just like, bruh. Wow. Because I and I started to see that music was cathartic for him. It was an opportunity for him to just get out what it is they was feeling. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here and paint no picture like anybody's a saint. I know nobody's a saint. Nobody's perfect. He was on. Uh, he had been arrested and was on trial for for domestic violence against his, you know, his his girlfriend um, left her partially, either partially. Yeah, I believe it was partially blind, either partially blind or partially deaf. One of them. But, you know, often again, this is how we manifest our, our depression and anxiety. We go and and engage in maladaptive behaviors. We just go off an of impulse instead of instead of utilizing healthier ways to deal. And so, again, it's not to make excuses for his behaviors because I don't make excuses for people's behaviors. But I think it's always important that we understand the origin of the behavior and what can cause the behavior to to be exactly what it is. And so I'm sitting there listening to the music and I'm just like, yeah, I have to write this article. I don't know. 
I'll, I'll put it on my website. You know, I'll tweet out the link or, or I don't use Twitter, but, you know, I'll put I'll, I'll put out the link and that'll be it. I'll be cool and I'll keep going. And so as I'm writing it, so for the next three days, I'm sitting there writing and I'm writing and I'm listening to his music and I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to understand why he had 10 million followers. Right. And now, listen, I get it. People pay for pop followers and all of that, but nobody paying for 10 million is worth. Right. I'm starting to understand why my clients uh, related to him. I'm starting to understand why that generation Related to him the same way I some somewhat related to Biggie, somewhat related to Pac. Listen, I never sold drugs. Um, I probably exhibited some misogynistic behaviors in my lifetime, so I can relate on that level. But I can see why he was so he was viewed the way he was by so many, especially the youth. And so I, in the midst of me writing that, it just it became painstakingly obvious that. His situation was a direct result of black boy rage. So when we look at even when we look at his killer, another 20 some odd year old young black boy tats on his face. Um, I, and, I, you know, I have my different views about tats on his face. On one hand, I understand that I understand the historical uh, impact of it. And then on the other hand, I think it's plum is plumb dumb to have tattoos on your face. Right. But I understood that the jealousy, the. The desire to hurt another person that stems from a level of rage that exists. See, people talk about mass shooters. Right. And I don't want to go off on a tangent too much. And they say, Wait, why do people talk about mass shootings and mental health? And, you know, it's not a mental health issue. And my take on it is if, if you desire to purposely inflict um, pain upon another person, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. You might not have a formal diagnosis, but something's wrong with that thought pattern, that thought process. Because when we come into this world, we're not coming into the world as as desiring to to commit mass killings as babies. Right. Like we not we I mean, granted, we can't pick up a gun or what have you, but we're not picking up a gun as a baby and say, oh, I'm gonna shoot you. No, we're we're all laughing, smiling crying because we need we 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 need our needs met and so what happens along this 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 path this trajectory of life is that things start to happen both environmentally and biologically so somebody who's growing up and they have a a genetic predisposition to mental health they may start to exhibit those 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 traits in their teens in their 20s in their 30s Conversely, those those who like his killers who might have grew up in poverty, they grew up as violence being the answer to solving problems and poor coping skills. And coping with the stress and the the daily trauma that exists. An article just came out that said police killings are negatively affect uh, African-Americans mental health. I looked at that and said, duh, like you don't got to be a rocket scientist or or a researcher to figure this out, to understand that that correlation. And so I, I say all that to say that anybody that murders somebody else, there's something there. There has to be something there, in my opinion. Now, if we're talking about self-defense, then 
for somebody else to even try to attack you to where you feel like your life is in jeopardy. That means something's there. But that's in my opinion. And so, you know, I, I don't want to you know, spend too much on Triple X, but I just find him to be such a fascinating individual, a fascinating person who, who didn't get the opportunity to to fully reach whatever that potential would have been for him. You know, it could have been suicide because he talked about it so freely and openly. Or it could have been him uh, possibly going to jail for a long time because of, of the domestic violence charges against him. Or it could have been him turning into a staunch advocate for mental health. And that's what I look at him as. Because, listen, we could pick and choose what we want to view somebody as. I try, to, I try to view the good in everybody, even when they're extremely flawed. Because I would want somebody to do the same with me. I've never been Tay Diggs the best man. For y'all young, y'all might not get that. <laughs> right? So I always try to see the positive. And I look at him as being somebody who opened the door for the dialogue to exist amongst Generation Z. So when I have clients tell me, yeah, I know what depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations are because I listen to Triple X and that's what he talk about. When my son say, listen, Triple X talk about depression and anxiety, I'm able to say, you know, they're able to recognize that, hey, this is what's happening. And so I wrote the article, I, I penned it, I put it on my site, um, which the site is www.quadifyquadefyllc.net. You could check it out on there. And I was content. It blew my mind to see that, you know, in the first day I had 500 people even just click the link to the article. I don't even know, care if you read it or not, but you click the link. So thank you. That you desired to have you, you had this desire to learn more about what black boy rage was and what mental health looks like. In our, our black boys and men. But then I got the you know, because I'm never one to just sit right and just sit on something. It was just like, nah, I'm going to send this out to the masses. And so I, I started emailing. I started sending a link out to places because I, I don't believe in, in, in silencing your voice. You know, it's just like, what's your biggest fear? You know, my biggest fear for a long time was would people be receptive to my voice? Right. I'm not your prototypical. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a tough guy. I cry. I'm emotional. Right. I, I give it I give this level of vulnerability that's there and I often question how is it going to be received? And that usually has stymied me from from doing what I enjoy from challenges that I love. I love a challenge. And so I sent the article out and, and a guy from, uh, you know, all hip shout out to Chuck Creekmore. Uh, you know, he follows me on, on IG and it was just like, yo, I just messaged him like, yo, man, I, you know, I got this article. Want to send, maybe you could consider posting it up. He was like, oh, all right. Yeah. You know, send it, send it to me. And so, you know, he hit me back on Friday was like, yeah, um, check the link out. Let me know if it worked. Let me know everything good. I'm like, what? I, I was sitting in the, I don't know where I was sitting at. Actually, I was doing a podcast uh, for the Natty Professor. Shout out to him. Um, and I was I was just dumbfounded because it came up and I just see my article right there on a site that gets, you know, five million viewers per per month. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just I'm just Phil from Philly. Right. Just the mental health bull. 
but it showed that it resonated. And then just the, the response that I continue to get about the article has just been amazing. But I, but I say all that to say that, you know, last week was an emotional week for me as, as I tried to process that. And I was just trying to process my feelings in general uh, coming off the heels of a wedding that I attended because, you know, going to weddings always, you know, elicit a specific response from people. And as you get older, it starts to hit you more and more like, you know, we desire to to live this life with someone else, a lot, many of us, and to share this experience. I think that's one of the next steps in self-actualize, one of the, 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 you know, the tenets of self-actualization, which is in order to reach a higher self, you can only do so much on your own. Then you might need somebody else to, listen, put your foot in my hands. I'm going to give you a little boost up and vice versa. And so that was the reason why I didn't do a podcast last week. <laughs> So, you know, shout out the shout out to Chuck Creek Boys, shout out to allhiphop.com. You can check it out, allhiphop.com slash opinion. Like I go on there every day just to make sure it's still like the top article on there. You know, and it is. <laughs> so which is cool. Um, or you can again go to my site and I gave the address. Uh but this this episode was was <sighs> this is a this episode is a little interesting, right? So some of you may have not have heard Lawrence 2.0 men after the breakup that I did back in September, uh, which the title spawned from Lawrence from Insecure and how what happened when he broke up and just about how the perception of how men cope with with loss, with breakups and how is this this perception that we just go out there and have sex with everybody. You know, we got to settle our royal oaths like Prince Hakeem before, you know, we can ever consider if we even do reconsider getting back into a relationship. And so during that episode, just for a quick recap, it, it was just like, no, men don't go for looking for sex. Me during that time, I was extremely emotional. I was crying every day. I was uh, I couldn't sleep. I listen, I had a little bit of stalkerish tendency because I'm a Scorpio. I don't like not being heard. I want to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. And so I don't like being ignored. And so, yeah, I, you know, my therapist called me out and she said, Phil, listen, that's a little stalkerish, babe. You know, it's just like, whoa, I didn't even consider it that. I just thought it was me responding off of impulse and off my emotions, which, again, can be unhealthy and cause unhealthy results, which that did. So, yeah, we experienced real emotions. But that was the, the pivotal point, I think, in my life, probably, where. I went back to therapy because of the breakup. You know, we was together two years. I ain't going to get into to the details of the relationship, but it was, you know, it's had its amazing moments and it had its not so amazing moments. You know, I still view, I view everybody I've ever come in contact with on, a, on an intimate level um, where I really get to know you as a person. I consider you a friend, even if it may or may not, may be close or may be from afar because I want the best for everybody. And so I ultimately ended up going back to therapy because I didn't want to be that guy. Right. I didn't want to go out there and, and have sex with the world. I didn't want to go out there and and hurt every woman that I come in contact with. So then I could become a meme. And then especially like this is what depression looks like. I really didn't want to walk around in this state of of unbelievable depression because of this relationship and not just because of the relationship but everything that I've experienced up in up in my life until that point 
And so it was really like a no brainer for me. Like, yo, I just don't want to feel this way. And that was the catalyst to really push me over. And I, I think I haven't looked back since. Going to therapy for the last nine months has helped me rediscover self. It's helped me build confidence. People see me and they like Phil. You know, everywhere, every every time I go speak, I always say, when you look at me, what do you see? And I get your you look physically strong, which I do. I have a beard, which I do. Uh, you look like a strong black man just in general. And I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. Still in the midst of finding it hard to take a compliment from somebody. Right. Because I'm somebody that's had low self-esteem for a long period of time. Somebody who, when they smile, because they their teeth might be discolored. I don't have picture perfect teeth. It's it's chipped. I got a chipped tooth that I've had for a few years. You know that's why I never go back to Fit Gym, ever, if it even exists anymore. But I'm somebody who covered up their mouth because they they didn't want to get ridiculed. They had these imperfections, and me being somebody that's highly critical of myself, my confidence, despite. All the successes that I've had, in my eyes, I still wasn't a success. And I needed to, to, to go through this period where I just needed to rediscover self. I always talk about my first day in therapy where, you know, Dr. Val, who I got to see is 1015. So I got to be to her by 1130. Where I went in and, she, and I was naming all the people that I could be good for. I could be good for Kayla, my daughter. I could be good for my mom. Shoot, I wanted Jennifer back. I said her name. <laughs> I said her name. I wanted Jennifer back so I could be good for Jennifer. I could be a better man for her. Right? But she was like, well, you know, that's all well and good. But what about, what about self? And it was just like, uh, yeah, I guess that's cool. I guess I could be a better person for myself. Which, which seems like a crazy... I, and I hate the word crazy, which seems like a wild idea that you wouldn't want to be better for yourself. But in a world where we, we consistently push doing stuff for other people, we often lose sight of self. We lose sight of who we are. And so that was the beginning of me saying, listen, enough is enough. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Or if I feel this way, no matter what the emotion is, I want to be able to deal with it and cope with it. Moving forward. And so I did just that. And so every week it was a it was a little more. It was a little more pushing, a little more pulling back on her end, on my end. And it's just this game of pushing and prodding and pulling back. That's what therapy is. Royce the Five Nine talks about on on, on Book of Ryan, which is a great album, a, a great introspective album. Where he talked about strong, you know, he has a song entitled Strong Friend. And he says, like, black people don't know a goddamn thing about therapy. Because we don't. Many of us do not. We know what it, it does, what it is. We can conceptualize it. It's somewhere where you go to talk to somebody about, their, about your problems or your successes. But nobody really knows what that process is until you're in the midst of it, until it hurts. Especially if you're going there to deal with trauma and, and what have you. I remember as soon as I walked in that first day, I started crying because it was just like such a release that I needed. It's a release that, that many people need 
but they'll find alternative ways to release it. For me, again, I make no bones about it. Uh, alcohol and myself, we got an interesting relationship. At times it was very toxic. I now reach to a, a point where we're cordial. And it may get to a point where, you know what, I may never have to see you again, but it's a process. Everything in life is a process. And so as I'm going through this process of therapy and I'm really experiencing, you know, and I'm just open. I'm open to the possibilities I'm all to, I'm open to being challenged, to have my way of thinking being challenged, because that's personally what I need. I need to be challenged. Because I'll just say some fly ish, those who follow me on Facebook you know, not this triple X stuff, because I, I firmly believe that, you know, that he is the biggie, uh, this generation's biggie and Pac and Marvin Gaye, who's going too soon. But his impact will be felt long after. But I desire to be challenged. I, de I desire that that level of to I, I, I desire to think critically about any and all situations. And so that's what Dr. Val has afforded me. And that all stemmed again for me going back to going to therapy and, and this happening post breakup. And so it's just like, well, well, why this episode? Why now? We, you know, we, we already know what you what you went through and the progress that you've made, because, yes, I, I have built a lot more self-confidence. I feel a lot better about myself. I don't I don't need anyone anymore. See, right. When I used to enter into relationships, no matter who it was, Jennifer, my daughter's mother, uh, anybody that I've dated previously, the idea was subconsciously, how fast can I get you to like me? Right. Because if if I get, if I can get you to like me. Then that means I'm, I'm worth something. Because I'm not worth that much to myself. And so now where I am in that process. Is if let's say I do meet somebody. It's, it's not about. Oh, how can you how can you help me feel good about myself? It's. How can I help you understand who I am and what I desire and what I need? So going forward, in the event that it, it, it manifests, it, it transforms from dating to being something more, more uh, firm to a potential relationship, potential marriage. Yeah, I said the M word. Yeah, I did, that went and did a number on a brother then you have understanding, but I'm good with or without you, right? But that came from these nine months of therapy. And I'm listen, I still got a long way to go. I still got a long way to go. But the purpose of this episode was because I ran into to Jennifer, right? I, I guess I'll stop using her name. <laughs> I ran into to Gen X. <laughs> and... I, I was out with, you know, with my friends, Brandon and Tish, those who saw my IG story. You know, I was out with my homies, Brandon and Tish. You know, we were sitting, chilling. And all of a sudden, Gen X walks in. She hugs Brandon. She keeps going. She didn't acknowledge me. And, you know, I'm a, listen, I said I'm a Scorpio, so that burned me the hell up. Right? And so... You know, they like, yo, your mood changed, like your mood changed. And it wasn't more so of just it wasn't about anger. It wasn't even about acknowledgement. 
It's just about when somebody has had an impact in your life, whether good, bad, or indifferent, that impacts you. You know, like the music that we listen to, when I listen to Triple X, I get the impact that they've had, that he had. You know, God bless the dead. My grandfather died last week. And I didn't cry over that. I cried because I cried. I legit cried over Triple X. Just because I felt like I had an understanding of him more so than I had with my grandfather. Because he and I didn't have that relationship. And so, yes, the people that we come in contact with, especially on a regular basis, and we open up, you know, ourselves emotionally, spiritually, mentally and physically to that person that impacts us. And me knowing her, I knew it took a hell of a lot of energy for her to walk past me and not acknowledge me. Right, because that's what that's what happens when you know somebody. And so I was sitting there and these emotions started to come up. Right. These emotions starting to come up. I'm, I'm starting to feel anxious. I'm nervous. I was happy as heck. I got a, a <laughs> I got a haircut yesterday just because and I felt good. You know what I mean? I felt on point, you know, so I'm smiling. I'm laughing. Just enjoying myself because, again, I felt good about myself and the haircut had nothing to do with it. But I, you always want to be on your on your dean when you see somebody that you used to deal with. They're not going to go back and tell their friend. Yeah, I just saw this bummy ass ball. I'm so glad I stopped messing with him. You know what I mean? They ain't doing that to me, <laughs> you know, even though 98 percent of the time they probably could do that to me. But all these, you know, this the feelings of, of being rejected, feelings of insecurities, all of these feelings came up. And I'm somebody, you can see it on my face. You can see it in my mannerisms, my behaviors. Again, I don't hide my emotions, especially not anymore. I work too hard to, to learn how to deal and cope with them. And so I stayed there maybe about 10, 15 minutes after she arrived because I was planning to leave anyway. And so, you know, I'm like, yo, I'm going to go say something. You know, I'm going to go say what's up. Nothing even disrespectful. Go say what's up. What's going on? No hard feelings. No you know, listen, it's no no beef, no issues. You know, I always got love for you. I always consider you a friend in my in my head. You know, and I told my homies and they like, nah, yo, chill, chill. Because a lot of times when we get in these these impulsive emotional states, even the people that that we typically would listen to. We just ignore and just go do our own thing and just let the chips fall where they may. And so they saying that and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I, ain't, I, ain't, I mean, I'm going to just say and like, nah. But what happened was I had to sit on those emotions. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes you got to sit through those feelings. You got to let them run its course. I know self-care is such a big thing these days. Self-care, you know, go let me drink some wine. Let me go take a hot bubble bath with, you know, some some Kalamazoo oil. I made that up, but I'm sure it exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to let this energy off. They just going to beat the horn ridiculously, huh? And they're going to continue. We're just going to keep rocking up. But, you know, we got to sit through these feelings. I had to let those emotions run its course. Typically, what takes... No, they ain't looking for me. Hopefully... <laughs> Sometimes when it runs its course, when the emotions have to run its course, we just got to sit there no matter how uncomfortable it feels. 
it can feel uncomfortable letting emotions run its course, sitting there through the anger because it's going to subside. Sitting there through the sadness, at some point it's going to subside. We, yes, we want to use our coping skills. We want to inhale, exhale, which is controlled breathing. We might want to do some guided imagery. We might have, which guided imagery is, listen, you know, I might be in a space that I don't like right now. So let me picture myself at the beach, laying on the beach. Let me smell the beach, even while I'm in the midst of these emotions. But for me yesterday, I had to sit in the midst of those emotions. And it was uncomfortable as hell for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then I came down. And it was just like, okay, cool. I still had a desire for her to know that I had no ill will towards her and for what happened between her and I. And so I made it simple. Listen, I went to the bar. Listen, what they drinking, her and her friend drinking, this on me. And I rolled. Now, some people might call that being petty patty. Like, you know what I mean? I had to make my presence known. You know, I look at it as an olive branch to say, listen, I acknowledge you. I respect you. There's no ill will. And that's it. And she since said thank you. And it was it was like no problem. And we continue on. But I was so proud of myself because nine months ago, I would have been fine. Mind you, I would have been intoxicated probably because that's how I, I sometimes deal with my depression and anxiety and undesirable feelings, which a lot of a lot of men especially do. We resort to things like that or promiscuity or drug drug usage or just other maladaptive behaviors. So now months ago, I would have went over there and said, listen, why you ain't talking to me? Why you ain't say what's up to me? I wouldn't have said it like that where, you know, it would have been a little more emotional. I probably would have broke out in tears. You know, like, why? You know, what more do you want from me? You know, what I mean, in my Tyrese bag. Even though I shouldn't be making fun of Tyrese because that was honest emotion that he experienced. But I was so proud of, of those 10 to 15 minutes that I took to sit in those feelings to show that nine months worth of work wasn't in vain. See, often we pray for patience. They're like, pray for patience, pray for guidance, pray for all these things. It's like, yo, you want to be a better basketball player? Go shoot a thousand jump shots. You can't just go shoot two. It's something I implore on my clients, and they're, they're younger, you know, they're adolescents, but it's something I say day in and day out. You want to work on not reacting to situations? You need to practice these skills when you're not feeling that way. So then when it comes up, it's just another day at the office. And so that's what that was. That was nine months of practice, week in and week out at therapy. That was practice. Day in and day out in other situations in my life where I I may have felt some type of way and I just wanted to respond with impulse. But I did my 24 hours and summed that up in 10 to 15 minutes and I just sat there. And so I made this podcast because it was like, yo, you know what? I'm just going to celebrate this. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I that I did get through it. Now, it's going to be other situations that come up where I'll, I'll be able to, to reference this situation. I'll be able to reference it and say, you know what? I could live through anything if magic made it. I, I, I made it through that. That was hard as heck. I could, I could make it through this. 
I'm going to take those same skills. I'm going to sit through those feelings. And I'm going to work through. I'm going to work through. I'm going to feel my way through the situation. I could think my way through the situation because that's what I do best. But to feel your way through a situation, to allow that to guide you. Because the stomach is a truth teller. You know, they talk about women's intuition. Well, women's intuition is they talk about the gut and the sensors in the gut. There's a lot of nerves and what have you that go through the gut. So when you feel something, you feel something in your stomach. That's those that's that feeling, that feeling mechanism. And so I was just so proud of myself. So I figured, listen, you know, what? I'm going to make a, a podcast about it. I was wondering if I was going to find a way to incorporate love is which is the show on own. But I feel like there's a few more episodes before I really go into the idea of love and what that looks like and the importance of therapy and, and especially coming off a breakup, going into another relationship. So I'll say that for another day. But if we just talk about implications, man, implications, <laughs> go to therapy, go to therapy. I feel like everybody in the world needs it. Psychologytoday.com. That's where I went on there. I knew what I wanted in a therapist. I tell her all the time. I said, listen, I know I wanted the older black woman because as men, I wouldn't feel as comfortable in expressing myself to a man because that's not how I've been conditioned. I saw that she had a wife. She was a lesbian. So she was an older, dark-skinned woman who was a lesbian. Married. Oh, man, I know you done been through some stuff in your lifetime. Now, granted, she had the, the requisite PhD, the LCSW, and the book knowledge. But I needed those intangibles that you can't quite measure for. So definitely go to therapy. If you don't go to therapy, learn techniques that will help you with coping. We talk about meditation. Meditation is real. It's powerful. Especially for my clients diagnosed with the quote unquote ADHD. Some of them definitely have it and some of them don't. Right. But I always start with a meditative period for, for about 10 minutes. I get an app on my phone. I have a meditation app on my phone. I need to actually do it myself because I make them do it. Right. But I sit there and what I notice after 10 minutes, they're much more subdued because there's so much stimulus. There's so many external things that 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 make us so hyper aware that impacts our sensors. And so a, a great way to cope with an overstimulated world, with, with feelings that exist, is just to meditate. Control breathing. Inhale. Slow exhale. Do that five or six times. That'll help your blood pressure uh, decrease. We talk, I talked about guided imagery, thinking about your be- you being at a beach. Sitting there. I'm not a beach fan, but I heard it's dope. Because I don't know what you do at a beach. Relax. I'm not the best relaxer. So that's probably why I need to go to the beach so I can learn how to relax. Again, we talk about learned behaviors and how to cope. And so you're just thinking about these places, closing your eyes. We talk about progressive muscle relaxation. That's what strength training is. Strength training, going to the gym and putting your body under healthy stress. Yes, it will elevate your blood pressure for a period of time. But overall, it'll decrease. 
like people are some you know some people look at me like oh two hundred forty pounds you know some you know in in radical regular medical standards especially when you get an older doctor they're like you know you're in the obese range and then they see my blood pressure and it's it's so low you know my heart rate is so low and I, we only see these in athletes even though I just started running I'm like yeah strength training strength training and being mindful about my nutrition. I still eat pork, you know what I mean? I'm not Muslim. I, I rock with the pork. I like some pork bacon. I'm going to go to Wawa and get me a bacon, egg, and cheese. I don't do faux bacon, not turkey bacon. I'm good. But progressive muscle relaxation, you know, we're talking about strength trainers being that. Or if you're sitting at your desk in your office, what that means is that's what a stress ball is. When you squeeze it tight and you release it, anytime you put any type of tension on your muscles and you release it, you're releasing stress. You're helping lower your blood pressure and cortisol levels, which impact stress and, and impact anxiety and, and depression. So it could, it's just sitting there, listen, squeezing your arms. Nobody has to see it. And these are things that I teach kids and things that I teach adults. If you're sitting at your desk and you start and you do progressive, you might start with your hands. Then you go to your biceps. Then you go to your whole arms. Then you go to your legs, then you go to your feet, then you go to your face. We're talking about in five minutes. And if you're truly invested in the process, a lot of, you know, with the things I've talked about, you start to forget about what it was. And you're just focusing in the moment. You're mindful. You're present. So, yeah, so that's the takeaways therapy, yada, 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 all that good stuff, man. So, I, you know, this might be Lawrence Reloaded. You know, I don't want to say pause because that's what people say, pause. But, but no, it's, this was just a, a, a celebration of myself. And this is a celebration for somebody who might be listening, who might have who worked through an emotion that they've, that they've found difficulty getting through for so long. This just how I am. This just how I, I am just won't cut it anymore. That's just a, that's just a statement that says you're afraid of change. And if you're afraid of change, you're afraid of growth. And if you're afraid of growth, how are you ever going to be happy? Whew, that was fire. All right, listen, I'm getting out of here because I got to get ready for therapy. But as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Of course, share, subscribe, uh, comment. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Phil, P-H-I-L underscore quadify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. Same thing on Twitter. But as I said, I don't go on Twitter because that's not for me. But you can still go in there and follow me anyway. Uh, Facebook.com backslash uh, Philip with two L's, M is in Mary, SW. Uh, also, check out the website, quantifyllc.net. I definitely, you know, check out the merch that's there. Help, you know, help me in this quest, help all of us in this quest to destigmatize mental health. I, dang, it's 42 minutes. I guess I lied. This went kind of long. I appreciate you guys. Peace.